one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. The show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, bus driver. Exploring the entire school transportation universe. Talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of Bus Driver Podcast. I'm your host today, Chad Brinkley. Jason Nelson will not be hosting today. I will. I have two guests with me. First one from our ABC group, recurring guest, Chelsea Wilson. Chelsea, how are you doing today? Hey, hi, how's it going? It's going great. I'm the host. I mean, yeah. it can can't get, get any better than that. Do what? Can you get the name right next time? Hey, Bus Driver Podcast? Yeah, you kind of butchered it, buddy. It's okay. Really? Yeah. Did I butcher it? Uh, we're going to change the name to whatever I said. Perfect. And our next guest, you all may know, uh, he has a podcast you might be familiar with, and he is an expert on the topic today, the SB 1630 that we're going to be discussing. And also, I believe, was it transportation something manager for the here in Arizona? Jason Nelson, thank you for joining us today. We we're worried you weren't going to be able to make it, but glad you'd be here. Well, you're right on point with um, how bad I butcher everybody's names and um, titles. So, bravo to <laughs> you to filling in. <laughs> but uh, I'm just yeah. trying to keep up the standard. Yeah, you said bus driver podcast. It's the Hey Bus Driver I podcast. Said, I said Hey Bus Driver. Did it. I'm gonna not? not edit it out, and I'm gonna leave it in there so you can hear it very first thing. So, good yes, stuff. please do. But yeah, thanks for thanks for uh, agreeing to both of you to, to co-host this and um, feature me, I guess. So yeah, what's going on? And just uh, I don't know, I'm I'm pumped. This is this is like a up there with my what? kids being born. It's right up there with yeah. your kids being born. Does that mean like your that's, that's how excited I am day in your entire life? That's how excited I am, Jason. Wow. Yes, okay. yes, I'm thrilled to talk about SB sixteen thirty. I don't believe. I'm that. sure everyone's excited to talk, hear us talk about it. Yeah. Well, we've been luckily. You two are very familiar with it. I know Chelsea's got a lot of experience. Made a great, uh, great outline for us here at RWC. I think the DPS ended up using as well. And Jason, I hear that you're also an expert, so I'm going to learn a lot today. Yeah, well, that's the idea is that hopefully a lot of people will learn a lot. Hopefully, there's still a lot to to learn and a lot to, um, I guess that still needs to be solidified as far as this topic goes. But I think we're headed in a good direction over the last year that we've been working on this. And before we get started on that, since I'm the host, I'm going to ask you both: Have you been watching any of the college basketball? You know, the college basketball is on right now. Yes, my bracket is toast, and mine's doing great. You're a liar. If anybody, if anybody says, "Oh, my bracket's great," they're flat lying to you. Do oh, not have Kansas winning the whole thing, and they 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 got dumped on. Who? Kansas. Uh yeah, that's probably a bad choice. I'm gonna go out and limb say they're not the going to four. win it. They didn't. Obviously, they got bounced. Princeton keeps winning, so. ASU, you know, they look good, and then they gave it up in the last couple minutes. But. Go Devils. Well, well, my Oklahoma State Cowboys are kicking butt in the NIT. <laughs> That's where ASU usually is. <laughs> so, not in attorney. Go Pokes. So, today, I, I've had quite a few people ask me about SB 1630. I'm pretty vague on my answers because I've, I've still got quite a bit to learn or understand. So I'm really glad we're doing this podcast. I'll probably sit quietly and ask a few questions, but for the most part, let you guys fill us in. Um, I guess one of my, one of the main questions I, I have that has been asked to me a few times is what brought about this change? Was the driver shortage? Was it uh, equipment shortage. I mean, just someone felt like this would be a better way to go. So curious, like what brought about this change 
that brought along SP1630. Yeah, Jason, so you're an expert. I think you, most of everybody, at least in Arizona, knows that uh, charter schools and school of choice is kind of a big, a big thing here, right? So there's like seems to be this fight at the political, um, you know, the legislature to allow money to be able to travel from from the schools of residence to wherever the parents want their students to go. So I think that, you know, this was primarily um, not funded, but supported by uh, charter schools mainly because of they don't typically offer transportation for their students, but they wanted, you know, instead of having to go purchase the infrastructure, school buses and, um, you know, train bus drivers in order to move, a fairly small amount of students, you know, to get them to their charter schools. This was kind of um, the idea, I think, even when Ducey was um, still the governor, was the idea of kind of uh, modernizing transportation and trying to move away from the school, uh, the you know, traditional school bus. So there was really just this kind of this push of, well, if we don't necessarily have to have school buses or um, certified school bus drivers, you know, what, what other vehicles are out there? And so you see, um, kind of this push for 11 to 15 passenger vehicles. Originally they were starting, they were using the language of 11 to 15 passenger van. So the idea was that, you know, there's these vans that are available. You don't need a CDL. You can move, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 kids at a time. Uh, so potentially, you know, a charter school that doesn't have, a big need for, say, school buses, they could run these kind of, you know, urban routes through their neighborhoods to pick up 10 to 15 kids, you know, across several vans and get them get them to school. That I think that was the idea behind it. Um, so obviously, because our legislature is kind of, you know, that again, that pro school choice, they they were under the assumption like, hey, this is a good thing. So it really stemmed the way that they were trying to pitch it was that it was going to help the school bus driver shortage. That's, that's how they were trying to get the buy-in of the public schools, right? Hey, we're going to give you another option for drivers, another option for student transportation so that you don't have to buy buses. You don't have to, um, go and, you know, uh, hire drivers or worry about trying to increase wages or anything like that. I think it was just really the, that was the, the idea behind it, if you will. So again, before all of, I would say, you know, coming out of COVID um, driver wages, you know, we've just finally started seeing a big push of driver wages in the state going up to 18 to 20, you know, 22, 23 bucks an hour. But before that, you know, it wasn't uncommon for drivers to have $14, $15 an hour. So, you know, was that right around what minimum wage is right now? I don't, I don't even know what minimum wage is, but the idea yeah, is okay. that, hey, you don't have to go through all of these loopholes in order to get all these certifications. You don't have to worry about driving this big bus and kind of, you know, potentially give an, another opportunity to districts to hire employees to drive these vehicles. Make sense? So... So can they use vans? Are, I mean, are we being allowed to use vans, 11 and 15 passenger schools able to use those? That's a loaded question right off the bat. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I mean, that's, Chelsea... the, that's the question that everybody wants to know. Right. And I think that, um, at the, well, before you get into it, Jason, can you clarify like for our listeners, what you mean by a van or Chad, like, are we talking about like a Ford E350 type van? Um, cause there's so many different things out there that could be misconstrued, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's two different styles of vans that come to mind when I, you know, when we think about it, it's, you have an, a, you know, probably like what you would see, uh, your typical hotel or airport shuttle that would probably have just like a standard, like, like you said, an E350 cargo van. It's, it's like the traditional van, if you will, right? Everybody's seen it. Um, but yeah, those, those are. Uh, what I'm speaking of when I'm saying 11 to 15 passenger van per se, like the like the free candy van. Uh, yeah, ish, not really. I mean, like, not like your chat. standard ice cream truck. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm thinking of uh, again, you know, just um, kind of I don't know. We when I was growing up, we went to church camp, so we got transport <laughs> transported in vans. Sometimes there wasn't space on the bus, but yeah. 
like that's the idea is that it's just your you know we have some, we actually have a picture of it up on the on Instagram right now on Facebook so you can go you know people want to see like what we're talking about it's typically a longer wheelbase it's got what one two three f- like three to four rows depending on how it's configured so it's it's a longer body it's a it's a longer chassis and um, quite honestly at the federal level um, the federal motor vehicle safety standards there are they do not meet, I should say, the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards. Because when you take the traditional definition of a bus, right, at least here in Arizona, ARS statute defines a school bus as anything 11 passengers or more. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, right, we just started the, the traditional seating. So a bus, as soon as you have a vehicle that has 11 passengers or 11 passengers or more, that's defined as a bus, not necessarily a school bus, but a bus, right? So then you start to build all in all the other specifications that come in with minimum standards or, um, you know, some of the other ARS statutes that require what a school bus in Arizona, um, how that looks, right? But there's a lot of references back to FMVSS um, that actually declare how, you know, school buses are supposed to be built at the national level. So, I mean, um, so... So if you've got a van, I mean, a cargo van has very little safety protection or protection for for passengers. You take a cargo van, you bolt seats into it. Oh, now it's eleven passenger. I mean, it's still not. It's a. It's still a van. Well, I mean, it's still not safe for kids to be driving. Right, so, and I mean, go ahead. So, so how do? Surely, we're not justifying that. That's that's okay for students, whether it be a charter school, private school, I mean, definitely a public school. But so, so where does DPS play a role in this? Are they, are they trying to regulate those out of use, if you will, because they know these aren't safe for children to be transported in. Right. So part of, part of the, I guess we'll kind of stem twofold out of this, that, so going into the the recommendate the federal recommendations, if you start start there, right? Where where do vans where are vans allowed to be used, and what types of other eleven and fifteen passenger vehicles could technically be used, right? So NHTSA, the National Highway Tra- Traffic Safety Administration, has come out with several position pieces, and um, along with some of the other government agencies that have kind of said, right, eleven and fifteen passenger vans should not be used because they do not meet federal motor vehicle safety standards. That's basically the kind of the gist of it. There's several pieces of language out there that you can go and read, but there's nothing out there that necessarily states verbatim, right? Thou shalt not use 11 to 15 passenger vans. They they actually technically prohibit the sale and purchase of 11 to 15 passenger vans from a dealer if the dealer knows that the vehicle is going to be used primarily for student transportation. So all of the, you know, Ford, Chevy, Dodge dealerships that are selling 11 to 15 passenger vans technically shouldn't even be allowed to, they're breaking the law, it's selling them to the districts. Some districts have taken a workaround and said, well, we're not buying them new, we're buying them used. So they're able to find these vehicles and they still employ them. However, Part of the SB 1630 language, um, as it was going through back and forth between the House and the Senate, originally there was a lot of, there was the, the, the primary bill that went through saying vans, right? They got some pushback, obviously there were some lobbyists out there, including um, some, you know, some pretty big hitters that were pushing to say, hey, these vehicles are not, not safe at all whatsoever, right? They have rollover, um, you know, they're proven proven to be unsafe. They roll over. The way that they get loaded, um, you know, training that goes into teaching people how to drive these vehicles, just there's a whole number of, of factors that play into it. And if you guys remember, last year, I believe it was a Texas golf team uh, or New Mexico golf team or Texas golf team. I don't remember which team they were, you know, what state they were from. But a 15-passer van was involved in a, in a severe accident, I pretty sure it killed everybody so you know here's another here's another like right as this bill was going through it was like here is the the living proof of why these vehicles shouldn't shouldn't be so because of how eager they were to really get this through and pushed they decided that 
DPS would be able to have rule writing capabilities um, over the final law as it got passed, they would be able to determine what types of vehicles could and couldn't be used. So they change the language to 11 to 15 passenger vehicle, right? So now it gives a little bit broader scope as to what types of vehicles could be used. Chelsea, yeah. any input there? <laughs> Did you just catch me not paying attention? I'm, yes. I'm really channeling my chadness. You did a great job. So, so <laughs> you you've you've dug into this quite a bit for us, Chelsea at RWC, and and put together a pretty good little spreadsheet. I mean, what what have you? I don't know, I don't know what question I want to ask. Like, what what do you have to add to what he just said? Basically, the van part. Like, I I disagree with it wholeheartedly. Kids should not be in vans going to school. I'd like to see him not be able to go to basketball games or golf tournaments for the reason that Jason just gave down in, in Texas, the New Mexico team. I mean, I think they're extremely unsafe. They're unstable. If you get an accident, there's very, very little protection. And, uh, I mean, my kid, I would be pretty adamant that he not get on a vehicle like that to go. Somewhere. I'll take him. I'll, you know, Uber him for heaven's sake, you know, something other than getting on that. But what's your input on what he just said about, uh, DPS, I know you've had some communication with DPS as well, working through this, if I recall. You've talked to uh, some people on, on this subject through DPS, and, and what are they doing? What have you seen or heard or your input? Are you ready yeah, now? So, yeah, you make okay, a go. great point. I mean, going to school or going to a trip, though, to kind of really drive your point home, accidents happen anywhere. They can happen a block away from your home, or they can happen, you know, 20 miles from your home on your way to basketball. Um, so really, if they say that these vans are unfit, I know uh, a lot of districts talk about the um, just how tall they are, how the rollovers are a lot higher. Uh, a lot of districts that you and I are on are out, you know, rural roads and two lane highways, that kind of stuff. So um, if it's not safe for one, it shouldn't be safe for the other. Um, but talking with DPS, I see their point, what they're trying to do to make this um, easier for districts uh, to have more of their drivers or bring in more drivers um, to drive these units. Um, but really, it's not going to make that much of an impact. I know from my side, um, I'm sure all three of us can attest to this. We really are fielding quite a few, quite a bit of questions on this. Um, the districts, the questions that I'm having is just clarification on how they're able to use it because I have districts that do it correctly and I have districts that don't. So um, really yeah, just getting more information out there. Muddy. Yeah, it's, it's definitely muddy. I mean, there's, there's thankfully, you know, we brought Jason here to clarify for us today on the podcast. But because uh, there are a lot of questions, you're right. I've got districts as well. That they're not using them properly, or they're interpreting it one way, and you're pretty certain that's wrong. But you know, who are we to say? But are there is there any special training for the non-CL drivers on this to drive those? If they're again, I don't even know. Answer this: Are they even allowed to do it? Or is that where we're at? Are they being allowed to use this, or are they are we still pushing against it? Are they writing regulations against them to be able to do this? I no. Mean, so the yeah, the bill actually it it passed in June of last year, um, and went into effect in uh, October, like October third of of last year. So it's it's in effect, um, and there's several districts that are. Um, are now kind of working towards that, right? Part of the part of the law uh, and some of the rule writing that um, DPS put together was that the they they basically came and said the vans can't be used. However, they're going to allow your MFSAB uh, white bus to be used as long as you had it in your fleet prior to July one of twenty twenty two. So there was still some retrofitting that needed to be done. You would need to add a stop arm and eight ways to that white bus, and then it can only stay white for the next five years. So in 2027, if you want to continue using it, then it then needs to be painted yellow. Now, so you're saying the MFSAB, so the the school bus body yep, on the van on a, chassis yeah, with eight ways and a stop arm. Yep. We call those type A's. I know what they're called. I'm clarifying <laughs> for 
My mom, in case she's listening to this special episode <laughs> of Hey Driver Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So your your type A white bus, right, that, that a lot of people have. Um, and a lot, quite honestly, before this bill even passed, a lot of people were using, right? I mean, I remember back in the early 2011, 12, 13 type time frame, those vehicles were being sold as, you know, a specific type of bus to drive kids to and from school and home. Technically, they weren't ever allowed to be used to transport students to and from home. And I think for the Arizona listeners, the, the issue here is you have... You have ADE, so the Department of Ed, that manages and oversees all of the funding for schools. And then you have DPS and the federal regulations that oversee how those vehicles should be used in a lawful manner, right? So the language in ADE would basically say they clarified any school bus or any vehicle basically used to transport students to and from school and home could be claimed on their 100-day report, right? So they could claim those miles. So now all of a sudden, here's a state entity that's telling people, hey, you can use these. They're clarified as a bus. When you have another entity over here saying, no, you can't technically use those because they're not lawful to use, right? So there's a lot of confusion because of these two state agencies that are basically contradicting each other. So you have, you know, again, people that were already technically using those vehicles. And so the MFSAB, just the activity bus without the eight ways in the stop arm, the reason that's important is you shouldn't be able to go pick up a kid or drop off a child at home because you don't have the safety stop yeah. arm, the, the lights, the, yeah. you don't have the warning the, signals the, the, for, the, exactly. for the passing vehicles. Yep, exactly. Now, again, which you wouldn't have, which you wouldn't have on a van either. You I mean, you wouldn't technically, but here's the here's the funny part of it, right? When you when you start to think about vehicles and how they're used to to, to be transported, we're only talking about thing vehicles. Vehicles are only regulated at eleven passengers or more. So technically, districts can use vans or any vehicle, suburban or a car or whatever, anything ten passengers or less. Because they're not re- they're not regulated. They're not seen as a school bus. They're just a tip. They're they're just a general passenger vehicle. So you have so a lot of not, districts. So there's not a blanket rule saying you have to transport children in these vehicles. So yep. you're telling me that they could take a Dodge Caravan and take a kid home. Yep. And we have several districts that do it. How's that allowed? I mean, <laughs> because they're not a, they're not have- a school bus. There's no there's no law that dictates a district what types of vehicles they must use, um, you know, to transport students. Why? I, I don't know. How do you change that? Because that obviously needs to be changed. You, you I, if they pull up and drop my kid off in Dodge Caravan, I'd be pissed. Well, yeah, but it, it happens every single day. I mean, and think about like when you start thinking about your home, the homeless transportation, right? McInnesvento Act. You have you have districts that are using third party trans transportation that have vans and cars and it's almost like a like Uber service that's literally picking kids up and taking them home in a in a car or SUV. So it it definitely is happening, right? If it was to change, probably to answer your question, you'd have to have a severe change at the at the legislative level um, in order to change that law to say kids will only be transported you know, on a school bus. I was reading, kind of just reading up on on this, looking for, uh, you know, some other interesting information. I saw an article from, I think it was like the Tucson News. They had did a survey about, um, like, just out to parents. You know, do you feel that it's okay to for your students to be transported on a vehicle other than a school bus? And it was like 55% said no. They wanted. They only expected their students to be transported on a school bus, and the other 45% was, you know, yeah, whatever. However, they get home. Well, those 45%, they don't really care about their kids that much. Well, I mean, and when you think about it, I mean, just you know, you have so many that walk and ride, and so many of them that take their take their kids to and from school on their own. So, I mean, that's they probably don't necessarily consider you know, the safety factors or everything else that goes into transporting kids. Well, I think if they, if they would stop and consider the fact that there's six kids on average on the national level that actually, and again, it's six too many that actually die in a school bus accident per year. First, how many kids die on their bike 
How many kids die in grandma's car on the way to school or getting hit by a, a you know a truck with one of those big steel bumpers on the front? I mean, it's it's clearly a bad idea to not have. And actually, I've been in the school bus industry for uh, fifteen years, however long. I did not realize until just now, Jason, that there wasn't a law on the book saying you cannot transport a child anything other than a school bus type. They're allowed to transport in a Dodge Caravan or a Suburban or a you know Mom's Impala. I mean, when you have to, should... I, I'll, I'll let me just cut. So I, I have two points to make. It's interesting to me. I think in my in my new position is that. You know, I think it's easy for us to get caught up where we live. We're, you know, very urban, you know, in a big city. And, um, you know, it's very easy to focus on transportation of like, how does how does it affect us in city living? Right. But when you think about some of the more rural districts like you have, I know Chelsea has several that are super small. Right. One bus, two bus. Um, Chad, you probably have some maybe up towards, you know, the eastern part of the state. But. Like, think about how that necessarily affects school districts when, hey, we only transport 10 kids or we have this one kid, you know, these this family of three that lives literally 60 miles away from the school and we got to send a one bus and a driver out there when we could go pick them up in a, in a suburban to go get them. Then think of throwing the, th- then, the, safe vehicle then throw in the inclement weather, right? I mean, some of the, like, I was just... Um, talking to one of the districts up on the reservation um, and I was actually able to work with them last year. I went up there to go, you know, just to see it and like work in their office. Some of their map, like the mapping that they were showing me where they're, you know, some of their buses have to go down kind of treacherous dirt roads. Right. So that's where I think, you know, that's where some of this is and some of the, some of the rulemaking and lawmaking that goes into effect is that, you know, what happens here doesn't necessarily, you know, happen everywhere else in the state. Same thing with like air conditioning, right? We're all down here like, oh my God, it's hotter than hell. But up in Flagstaff, you know, it might get what, 80, 85, 90 degrees on the hottest day. So do they really need air conditioning if that was to be a mandated, you know, a mandated thing to say every bus has to have air conditioning that comes from the factory? Not necessarily. But that's not a good argument saying that these children have to be transported down treacherous roads for 60 miles and in inclement weather. So let's just put them in a less safe vehicle. Like that, that's, that's, that's a terrible argument. Like that's coming in a completely wrong direction. I mean, that's even more of a reason to have a four wheel drive, 14 yeah. passenger school bus I'm a, body. I'm going to send you down the legislature and you're about a year late and you could go down. <laughs> But well, uh, to, I, I to, guess I should to, have been there and yeah, screaming and yelling. The other, the other piece, you would have been a prime candidate to do it. The other piece that you were asking about the training is part of the SB 1630 um, law is that now they've created a non-CDL driver position um, or certification, if you will, that's going to be managed by DPS. They basically – so the idea – the original idea by the the bill sponsors was that well now they don't have to be they don't have to have these certifications so it's going to be easier to find drivers. Well, that's where DPS has really kind of been the knight in shining armor, if you will, at this point, and said, "Hey, pump the brakes there, right? They're still we're still looking out for the interests of students and student safety, and so there is going to be some sort of training required. So they've basically reverted back to minimum standards." Arizona minimum standards to say um, before all the ELDT stuff went in at the federal level, drivers now, if you're going to do this non-CDL certification, it's 14 hours of classroom training and 20 hours behind the wheel. There's no test that they necessarily have to go and take, but they have to basically do all the rest of the training and certifications. They have to do a PPT, a physical, CPR first aid certified, and then that paperwork gets sent over to DPS in order to, I guess quote certified so one thing i haven't heard you say jason um in that whole list of non-certified cdl drivers what about drug testing where does that fall with this yeah interesting that you bring that up because we're kind of going back and forth um this is i think i stated at the beginning there's still a lot of things that sort of have to be still ironed out um so in order for the law to go into effect the dps um has issued us what they call substantive policy statement that basically 
operates as the rules until the rules can be solidified. So um, SB 1630 added or changed the previous school bus advisory council to now be the student transportation advisory council and added like five or six seats to the panel. Well, because we have a new governor, she hasn't necessarily appointed anybody yet. So this is going to be kind of how it goes. So to answer your email or see if I can get put yeah, on it. To answer your question, they definitely want um, drug testing. They, you know, as part of minimum standards, they want the pre-employment and the annual. But they also want a they're they're wanting quarterly randoms done. But because oh well, okay, so at least that. I mean, yes. we're gonna send them off. We're gonna send them off in dangerous vehicles with you know untrained drivers. But at least we know they no, they they're, have a they're beer gonna at lunch. well, they're gonna. They're only going to be untrained now, if you will, in vehicles that are 10 passengers or less. Because, again, all of this only applies to people driving an 11 to 15 passenger so vehicle. Least, so they're untrained in the least safe vehicles. Okay, I'm good. I didn't realize that was the case. Yeah, we're good then. Well, to your point, Chad, I mean, this is kind of a step up from what we have currently in place here in Arizona to where principals, teachers, coaches etc can just jump in a type a white bus and get behind the wheel without any training or certification on the record yeah. so now at least those people will have to be certified so there will be that level of safety the, and there's nothing that that again to your point there's nothing that requires any of that for for activity purposes right and that's that's the other thing that people i think get um kind of confused about is that DPS only regulates the transportation of students to and from school and home. When a bus or a vehicle becomes an activity vehicle, they don't necessarily oversee really any of that. Now, I would, I'd be hard-pressed to imagine that if that vehicle was involved in an accident, that they're not going to want to be involved or, or respond in any type of way. But when you think of some of the larger districts, probably that both of you have, that have white buses in their fleet, None of those vehicles are being inspected by DPS on an annual basis, right? They're no, that only, was my next question. Yeah, they're only inspecting yellow buses. So now, if a district declares that they want to use their white bus, right, let's just pretend – let's pretend for shits and giggles that they don't have any um, – that they're, they're not required to have the eight-way or the, or the stop arm, right? Let's just say that, hey, they gave the green light, and not to confuse anybody because they didn't do this, but I'm just I'm throwing an analogy out there. If a district came out and declared that this vehicle is now going to be used for student transportation, then all of a sudden DPS wants to be able to inspect that vehicle. Does that make sense? So now, the really, the tickler for them is going to see, hey, I've got a white bus here with eight ways and a stop arm on, and I know that it's been inspected. They're probably going to have some way that they're going to record it it's gone into service as a student transportation vehicle for to and from school and home in 2027. It now needs to be painted yellow, right? So if a district decides that they're not going to paint it yellow and they want to keep it white, I would imagine they're going to probably be wanting to remove the eight ways and the stop arm and just leave it as an activity bus. Wait, so now we go back to the van thing there. You can transport kids, but they don't have eight ways. They don't have, they don't have stop arms, so they don't they don't get inspected at all. But they can still transport transport kids. Well, so. so if you're talking about a ten a van that's ten passenger or less, you're correct. It doesn't fall into any of that category. In the substantive policy statement that DPS has come out with, they've been very adamant that eleven to fifteen passenger vans may not be used whatsoever. Period. Ever, because they still don't meet the federal motor vehicle safety standards. So. Unless the manufacturers decide to start building a van that meets those safety specs and then introduces it into Arizona, technically the only 11 to 15 passenger vehicle that can be used is now a type A or B yellow school bus, right, that is specced as 11 to 15 passenger van. So, so or clarify 11 to 15 for me passenger again. bus, sorry. So clarify for me again. Who pushed this? Charter schools. Okay, so there, there you go. So this is what I've been saying for a while now with some people pushing for doing away with public education 
here's some here's a check go to whatever school you want which we know is asinine because the the how do I want to say this? The the kid that's not athletic, or the kid that's not super smart, or the kid's parents that aren't you know living in the right neighborhood. What they're not going to get to choose what they're they're going to get to choose the bad school in their area because you you're going to be selected to go to a school, right? It, the the uppity charter private school is not going to just let that get you up to have a check in hand. But this is this is what I'm seeing, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. This is part of what that's going to create, right? You're going to have a public or, or not a public, but a charter or a private school is going to be running kids around in Dodge caravans instead of being safe. Which it technically putting... already could, right? Because again, the but ten... I'm saying this is going to be on a mass scale. If this ever, if this Potentially, ever comes well, to fruition. And when you think of the, so there was another, um, I don't know if it was a bill. I think it was a bill or a program or a grant program that was being pushed. Um, right at the end of Governor Ducey's um, tenure, if you will, it was kind of the, this idea of um, modernizing, again, modernizing student transportation and, and putting out these more of this open enrollment type of kind of at will or as you need public trans, you know, public transportation. And so they literally opened it up to schools to, to submit plans. And I think some of uh, there were some city plans, some cities that actually were like trying to get on to this to try and offer, I think city of Chandler, I want to say, um, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure city of Chandler was trying to get into it to like basically be able to partner with the school districts to offer more of like a public transportation system for students, you know, something along those lines. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're seeing Arizona kind of trying to get away from you know, the traditional, I live in this neighborhood, so this is my school, I don't get a choice, you know, type of thing. It's giving parents the opportunity to, to you know, take their kids elsewhere and give districts funding or the ability to, you know, to to fund it beyond what they normally can. I mean, you understand that, you know, public schools are super underfunded, but now if they're getting that student's ADM um, from, you know, coming from, the neighboring district over here, you know, potentially they could reuse that money to, to help bolster their transportation program. But, but that's going to lead to more charter and more private schools that aren't going to accept those kids. I don't want, yeah. I live in this neighborhood. I don't want to have to go to that school. I want to go to that one. Well, you're not accepted yeah. to come to this one. Sorry. Go to well, the, go back to the one you're They're still regular, you know, when you, again, they have some different, um, different rules and things that they have to follow as far as the educational piece and how they operate. But when it comes to student transportation, there's still a school bus is a school bus. It doesn't matter if it's a private, private school, a charter school or a public school. Right. And so that's where, again, unless they're going to buy said vans, which actually one of the, I was just talking to a director on the East Valley last, last week, two weeks ago. And he was saying that he's talking to, the man, the dealers that were out there and they're saying that they're not going to even they're getting they're doing away with their 10 passenger van option it's not they're literally going to have a 12 and 15 passenger option which now won't be allowed for districts to use and it sounds like you know you can't buy just a normal caravan or um transit van or whatever it sounds like you know everything's kind of trying to push towards this suv model so potentially right? Districts are going to start using SUVs if they want to do that. Or, right, I think I think we're going to see the, the death of the white bus and more districts. Obviously, you guys know this, but it, let's pretend they were readily available. More districts are going to go to a type A or type B yellow bus because now that bus can be used in a true MFSAB or multifunction um, capacity, right? If it's being used for student transportation to and from school and home, then you have to use a stop arm in eight ways, but they're now allowing or removing the restriction for a CDL because it's yellow and they're going to allow districts to use those vehicles also as an activity bus and not require coaches or principals or whoever's going to drive those teams um, to use it without a CDL, basically. Well, so... I probably, I'm going to shock you a little bit on this. I'm not 
opposed to that, to the fact that, uh, you know, a 15 passenger yellow bus, school bus, should have to require a CDL. Certain training, yes, right? So the CPR and stuff. And I say that because they are extremely safe vehicles. I, I've heard, I've heard quite a bit over the last decade of, man, they need to update school buses. They're so outdated. There's, they're ugly. They're so they give this perception because they are old bodies that they're not safe. They're not modern or whatever. But my gosh, we have collision mitigation. We have, I mean, it'll break on its own if the driver's not paying attention. We have radar on these things that'll, that'll come to a stop, bring the bus to a complete stop. My 06 Silverado doesn't have that. I'll just rear in somebody. So there, there's a lot of safety, a lot of modern safety advancements in school buses just because the body's old. The body's old because it's very well designed. It's very sturdy. It's very strong. You just start throwing fiberglass on it to make it look pretty. You lose the structural integrity of that vehicle. So to say, a, you know, a, you know, a, a non-CDL driver taking a, a bus of 15 passengers to and from their home or their neighborhood, I'm not completely opposed to that. I'm not as opposed to that as I am a non-CL driver driving a caravan with six kids down a treacherous, muddy road. Yeah. Because that because that school bus is safe. It's extremely safe. You're, I mean, obviously preaching the choir, right? I mean, that's what we're what we're expecting. I should have, I should have been a preacher. That was should my. You? I missed my calling. <laughs> you look like a preacher, kind of. It'd probably be a cult. <laughs> I don't know how to, take but that, yeah, but. I, I the other thing I wanted to point out there, just in that piece of the CDL restriction coming off of the Type A yellow bus, right? That's that was part of um, SB sixteen thirty changing that. Is that if if you have a let's say you have two people, right? You have Jason and Chad. Jason is a bus driver. Chad is a coach. If Jason is driving a bus to and from school and home, Jason needs 14 hours of classroom and 20 hours behind the wheel and that non-CDL bus driver certification. If Chad is driving the golf team or the baseball team or whatever team you want to fill in there, yeah, the chess team, over to wherever he's going, Chad does not need that 14 hours of classroom and 20 hours behind the wheel. Now, the you know most of the district's insurance um, company or you know however you want to relate to that there's there's several pieces of information out there and programs of what we call white bus or white fleet training that you know we recommend that districts put their drivers through so that they have something right they have some form of defensive and distracted driving um, you know, obviously how to drive students, how to deal with, you know, distractions, so on and so forth that, you know, you could put together a fairly decent training program for those people that are not required to have it. But if a district truly wanted to, which we would, you know, strongly advise against, um, if they wanted to and just said, Hey, new coach, I just hired you. Today's your first, you know, first day of chess training and you got to take your kids to the library or something. Here's the keys. There's no training that's required for them to go out and drive that bus. Here, here's the irony of all this: is good luck finding an MFSAB. Good luck well, finding yeah. a Type A bus. You, 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 I mean, and that's GM why I said Ford, we're not building passes for them right now, anyway. Right. That's why I said pretend, pretend that you could get them, and that's that was the inside joke. There was that you can't. Um, but, you know, eventually, right, this law is not going away, so let's just pretend in five years, 2027, when you can't even have a white bus with eight ways on a stop arm, it has to be yellow, potentially five years down the road, you know, everything's finally caught up and it's back to, you know, back to normal business, potentially. I mean, we don't know. Yeah, by 2027, the 2023 models, 2024 models should be getting delivered by then. Yeah. Just about then, yeah. I mean, I feel bad for you, you know, for you guys, because, you know, there's districts that are looking for these, especially because all of a sudden their excitement of, you know, the law and like, oh, we can now buy these. And then they go out and, and, oh, we, you know, it looks like, well, we'll shoot that shot in the foot because we don't have them available. So, yeah. Now Now, the thing I see. Did we lose you? Did we lose you? 
Lost Chad. Oh, sorry. I accidentally touched my <laughs> earpiece. So I don't know where you lost me at, but what I see coming from this, IC used to have a BE model, which was a good vehicle, but the downside was it had that Max 4 7 engine, which we all love so much. <laughs> but is, you know, I think I think Chelsea put together one and, and IC's working on one as well, but having like a a 14 passenger type C bus, which is short wheelbase. You've got all the safety standards. You have the body, you have all the integrity, you have the heavy frame, the heavy side panels, all that. I see that coming around because of the type A shortage. And also from what I understand, Chevy's going to stop making the, the express van or whatever they call their, their vans. Now they're going to supposed to stop making those in like 2025. Yeah. So you're going to have a chassis to put that type A body on unless you go to maybe Dodge which they, I don't think they've ever done that. They have type A chassis. Uh, Ford, I think, from what I hear, is starting to get away from that as well. So it may be an option. Your only option in the future, say 2027, may be a 14-passenger type C bus anyway. Yeah, so I, I remember. It be even more safe. I remember um, seeing something being worked on regarding that. And, um, you know, I think DPS currently has some concerns about a type c now i think if it actually got potentially built or somehow where they could get their hands on it and inspect it and and see you know what their i guess at least address their concerns if you will um you know potentially that would be an option um i think their biggest hang up was it's a 1911 body and they want to be sure that this can't have any additional seats added or any seats removed. The passenger count truly had to count as 14 um, plus the driver to kind of abide by that. And then obviously meet the GVW ratings um, to stay below that. I, I think it was like a 21,000 pound threshold. Yeah. they. So, I mean, and that's where I think, honestly, if it came to market, let's just pretend that RWC was, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna start pushing this. You know, here's the specs behind it, so on and so forth. Maybe you guys had a demo bus or something like that that you know came from out of the state that they could bring, so that you didn't have to build one specifically. But I would think that they would be open to a conversation, right? And especially because, again, this isn't all completely solidified, and it has some room for edits because the student trans or the yeah student transportation advisory council hasn't been seated to really approve and finalize everything right so well yeah because you could you could build that bus regardless of what the axle rating is you could stamp it a certain gbwr and a certain passenger i mean it's still stamp that so if you alter that at all you're well, breaking a lot i mean i think that's the biggest thing that they're looking for is that if it's stamped or or declared as such on the manufacturer you know whatever your guys placard is or um that gets you know installed into the bus Right. This is the declaration of how this how this bus was manufactured and that it can't be edited. Um, right. I mean, there was some I don't even remember. Was it did it have track seating or, you know, maybe it didn't. I don't remember. But potentially like where people could circumvent and say, well, we're going to throw another seat into it and then take it out prior to bus inspection so that they wouldn't know any different. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, you could do that on the on the 14 passenger buses already. Sure. And, I, and that's you the thing, the like, you know, thing. The, the honest people are going to be honest about it. And, the, the you know, I mean, everybody is very concerned about the liability behind what if I use a, what if I use a van? We hear that question all the time. Right. Well, are we going to get in trouble if we if we use a van? Right. Well, the, the answer is it's all case by case. Right. We don't we don't necessarily know all of the circumstances. So I can't give you a definitive answer. The, the, the definitive answer is 11 and 15 passenger vans are prohibited from being used because they don't meet federal motor vehicle safety standards they're prohibited from being sold technically so when you start to again you start to look at all the different laws and language that's out there and you piece it all together that's how you come to thou shalt not use these vehicles right however everybody who wants that one sentence thou shalt not use these vehicles are never going to find it it's not out there yeah. What if, what if we just put a kid in a steel drum and roll him home, for God's sake? He'd probably love it. <laughs> Let's try Jackson first. Yeah. yeah. Guinea pig. Yeah, 
So, so what? So, just to clarify, what's the plan moving forward? What's DPS's plan moving forward? I know you said that they're kind of pushing back on some things. So, what? So, overall, just a summary. What's the plan moving forward as far as making sure this this is done right and not just to cater to for-profit schools, if you will? Yeah. Like what's 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 the plan to to take care of the kids, make sure they're safe? Because you and I both know if there's going to be there's going to be corners cut in the sake of profit, in the sake of money versus safety, if yeah. that's allowed to happen. So what are they doing to try to prevent this? Well, I think it's definitely that, right? They've they've said if you're going to use any type of 11 to 15 passenger vehicle before it can be used for student transportation to and from school and home, then they have to be inspected just like an annual DPS inspection of your normal school buses. They want to come out and do an inspection of that vehicle. They're going to verify that the, you know, the proper equipment's been retrofitted to it. And then they're going to give it a stamp or, you know, the sticker, the window sticker. So that'll go out. And, you know, once they do that, then it will have to be annually inspected. So that's number one. The second piece obviously is that the bus driver uh, or the non CDL school bus driver has to you have to show proof of their training that they received everything just as we normally did before all the ELD cheat training, the, the federal training for, for CDL drivers. Um, we would fill out the paperwork and send that over to DPS and then they would, you know, they basically manage all the certifications going forward of when, you know, when that driver's do back up for their re- refresher or their, you know, any of their other certifications that have come due. So those are probably the, the two key pieces. I think the next piece really is for um, student, the student transportation advisory council to be finally appointed and then finally meet. Um, we haven't met or, you know, they haven't had a meeting since before COVID. Um, so was that we're working our third year now that the, the council hasn't, Council or committee hasn't met. So they're going to have to, once they get appointed, they're going to have to go through and review the substantive policy statement and the proposed changes to minimum standards to approve them. And then, you know, all of that will kind of get solidified and kind of set in stone. So um, those are probably the, the real key pieces there. Now, you know, in my new role, um, me and my supervisor, like our our job obviously is to go out and educate and we're trying every opportunity to get out there to, you know, either through the podcast or, you know, our leadership and training programs, or we're going to be up at ASBO and Laughlin in the springtime. Sergeant Lunt's going to be up there, you know, doing a presentation on this. So this is going to be another key piece of sharing that information. I think we're going to hit it in July also at the ASBO conference down there in the summertime in Tucson. So Really getting out in front because, you know, for this, the student transporters that do this work every day, it's it's pretty, it's still kind of muddy, but it, it makes a lot more sense than when you get a, you know, a flow chart or a letter from your insurance company that comes across your email as a superintendent or a CFO saying, oh, by the way, this got approved and, you know, how does this affect you? And then all of a sudden you think you can go buy all of these vehicles i mean i know of a district down down in southern arizona that their superintendent went and bought several vans because they had a grant and you know they were the 11 to 15 passenger type vehicles and we're telling them like you can't be using those so you know so what, are they, what are they what are they doing with them are they, just, are they still trying to use them or are they yeah well they want to use them as activity as activity vans to transport students you know for sports or activities or or however they they just want to use it to move kids and and that's really the key piece is that again i think that's the big shocker out of all of this is that maybe people understood hey we can't use these vans to drive students to and from school and home but it's common practice for us to use them to drive small groups of kids, whether we're using one van or two vans, you know, to move a basketball team or a baseball team or something like that. And that's really where DPS has finally come out and kind of said, even though they don't oversee that style of transportation, they're saying these vehicles should not be used. So, so they're just saying it, but they can still use it. Not suggested. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're, they really shouldn't they really shouldn't be right I mean again that goes back to if you look at the NHTSA language um, it's like the use of non-conforming vehicles it says 
should should not be used for student transportation to and from school or school activity functions. I think is the the language that's in there. Um, so it's really and that's at the national level, right? So I think California, I think Texas, you know, a couple of the big you know the big hitters in the country have their own very definitive laws that say, um, you know, you can't use these vehicles uh, because obviously they're a lot more, you know, quite a bit more restrictive than what we are. But at the, again, like I said, at the federal level, that's kind of the encompassing. So whether states do it or don't, you know, or allow it, that, again, you can, the state can, I guess, write their own laws, right? Well, so why don't we write a law to prevent that? <clears throat> because it, we have a Republican uh, Senate and House and, and a governor at the time that were looking to remove barriers, right? And I mean, that's that's the idea. If you're looking to be more restrictive and saying you can only use this type of vehicle, they're looking to, you know, quote, modernize transportation and, and allow somebody who can come in with outside thinking. Are you just, are you just chiding me here? No, I to modernize modernize. This is such a stupid thought to say well, because it's, we're gonna go we're gonna go back to a less safe vehicle. That's not modernization. That's taking steps back. Yeah, I mean they spent so many years increasing the safety and the and to protect these kids. Like decades and decades have been and tons of money have been spent to protect these kids. Now let's throw them in a damn tin can and send them down the road. That's not modernization. But I, but Just because it has Bluetooth in it. I think that the the idea, probably the bigger idea behind it is what does modernization look like for an, a truly like on-demand type of transportation, right? Don't necessarily think about the vehicle. Think about the, the, think about the product as a whole, right? If you think about, I feel like it was during COVID, like right at the beginning, you know, maybe 2020, I feel like there was a, a district in Florida or a company in Florida that was getting ready to roll out like a, it was an EV unmanned vehicle. It was like small. I could find the article and show you. But basically the idea was that this on-demand vehicle would literally man itself and drive around neighborhoods and pick up kids and take them to where they needed to go so that you've you were... been on this, You've been on this kick for years. You well, still think this is a thing. Yeah. At the end of my career, I think it is going to be a thing. And I'll tell you on your deathbed when I'll be like, look, Chad, self-driving school bus. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm going to point at the ceiling with one specific finger and tell you to leave my room. <laughs> at least I'll say hi. His so, last word. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, again, I think that was the idea is, is there a company out there that if we could stop thinking in the traditional model inside this box, is there somebody out there that's come up with a creative way that makes sense that it, that the state wanted to fund, you know, basically grant money into to, to see if it works? I don't know. Wasn't I wasn't a part of it, but I think that's the idea behind it. Well, until this school advisory council is appointed, I I know DPS is kind of spearheading it to make sure they get the most safety written into it as they can. Right? I mean, yeah, they're looking out for yeah. Kudos to kudos to them because I mean, we were originally when the bill passed. You know, we were like, this is bad news. This is not this is not good. And then, you know, through kind of lobbying with them and, and having several conversations, you know, we we realized that they were truly on Chad's team of safety for students. I mean, all of ours team. I'm just pointing it out that, you know, Chad's um, the one with yeah, the most angst here. So, so um, <laughs> that's the idea was that they're basically saying, look, we're looking out for the best interests of students because originally – my thought was when this kind of got pitched was, okay, well, if I've got a bus driver that can't pass a physical, right, let's just say that they've got high blood pressure or something, so they can't get past their physical, well, that's great. I can still keep them as a driver, and I can go put them in, you know, I can get them their, non, their non-CDL their non certification and have them drive a bus. Well, okay, because that's how most people are going to think. Like, as a, as a transportation director, you're going to be thinking, like, Hey, how can I keep them? These people. This is a great driver. He's a really good employer. Whatever, right? He's just got some health stuff that he's dealing with. So he just likes tacos too much. Yeah, yeah. I love tacos. Look at me. So, <laughs> but you know, I think that's the point of it. Is that okay? They are really looking out for. There are, to your point, there are no shortcuts. They have thought of just about everything, and they've been really good 
to answer questions or no, we haven't thought about that or, you know, and I think that's the beauty of this currently in this where we're at this limbo market, if you will, that they've been able to, um, you know, kind of see it and think about it and be able to write in a rule because it necessarily hasn't been solidified yet. So it's like, okay, yeah, we need to do that or, oh, okay, we need to do that instead. Make sense? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm... I think Chad's head's about to explode. <laughs> and he's yeah, going to get to hear it all again in April. You'll get to, in a couple of weeks, you'll be uh, you'll be able to see uh, Sergeant Lunt up there doing his presentation. You can ask him, ask him the questions, you know. I mean, that's, he's been really great to work there with. He'll yeah. be up there with him yelling at all the school districts are trying to circumvent this. Yeah. No, I know. It's just, you, great job. I'm glad you could join us down the podcast. You did, it was very informative. And we should have you. We should have Chelsea. We think we should have him on more often, right? Yeah, just a breath of fresh air, lots of knowledge. Well, yeah. we've been truly drinking from a fire hydrant from uh, June to you know June of last year, just trying to you know get out in front of districts and creating material. And like I said, kudos to um, you know you guys and your team for you know really stepping in and kind of creating that that flow chart and. You know, I know everybody's yeah. not really been willing to put their own name on it, but I think it's, which is good. I mean, it's, it's really getting out there and it's, it's helpful, right? I mean, it, it really clearly defines what the steps are and how it gets used. And so I guess if people are listening, if they haven't received that, you know, or seen it, um, you know, you can email us at the, at the show and we can email it out to you or your local RWC dealer. I know they have them. DPS also. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, drinking from a fire hydrant. This was just a lot of information today. So, like Jason said, finding that flow chart, you can contact the Hay Bus driver on any social media site or your RWC rep. Um, we all have it. We want to share it. It's a very easy to follow flow chart of if I have this, can I do this? Um, so help answer any questions. And I want to add uh Chad and I, Jason, we claim I'm going to use our quotes to be, you know, the experts in this. But if you have anything that you want to challenge that we've talked about today, probably bringing it up to your um, DPS um, officer and, um, you know, verifying that what we said on here um, is right. Go ahead and by all means, reach out to Jason and let us know if, if you're hearing different. Yeah. I oh, think- I, I, I would. I thought place a very firm disclaimer at the beginning of this episode that i am not an expert on this <laughs> okay the two of us and then the host yeah no I, well it, it's so it, easy because we um come with you know titles of bus sales and jason you're in the transportation world on um with the trust on you know the industry or excuse me the insurance and so um I know on my behalf, and I'm sure I can speak for you, Jason, too, we're not talking here for our companies, more just bringing knowledge to um, you guys as listeners to know more and be more educated. Yeah. Well, and this is clear as mud to everybody. I mean, there's quite a few people <laughs> that haven't figured out, but this, I'm glad you did this. Jason, Jason brought it up here a while back about we could do this or we could do EVs. I'm like, well, we better stick to EVs because... I'm going to be listening when we talking when it comes to SB 1630. So I think this is a very good episode, very informative. I learned a lot today as well. Um, disgusted by some things, but hopefully it'll all be worked out in the, in the wash at the end. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think having a, a child that rides a school bus right now and, and the kids coming in the future and I, I mean, it's, it all comes down to safety. You know, I never really put a lot of thought into school buses prior to getting in this industry because I grew up in a small town of 1,500 people and had three school buses. And those school buses, like Jason said earlier, went out and up and down dirt roads and picked up kids. And that was the only people that rode a school bus. The rest of us, if you missed your ride, you walked to school, which is fine because it's like a mile away. So it wasn't a big deal. But Uphill both ways in yeah. the snow. <laughs> yeah. You took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, and I was usually being chased by dogs. Yeah, if which you're is why I'm so. Awesome. Which is why I'm a runner. I'm so fit. I'm a runner. Yeah. Okay. 
But Chelsea, you gave your final thoughts. Jason, do you have any final thoughts or did you already spew your No, I mean, I, I just, you know, quite honestly, second what and third what you guys said. I think that um, really, you know, there's still a lot out there and we're really just trying to get this information, continue to get it out there and educate everybody. And, you know, we know that there, um, you know, there's a lot of districts that are going to say, absolutely not. We're not going to use vans at all. I know my first district that was their kind of mantra when I worked there was that we don't use vans period to transport anybody. So, um, everything was done in a yellow bus and, I would think that there's going to be districts that, you know, continue to, to take that mantra and move with it. And I think there's others that are going to figure out, you know, eventually once type A and B buses, maybe even if a C option becomes available down the road that, you know, hey, here's a, a way for us to continue to maybe use that modernization, if you will, to offering more options that are out there, you know, because there's a lot of people that, don't necessarily want to drive a 40 foot school bus. You know, they're more comfortable driving something a little bit smaller. So maybe it appeals to a different type of job market that school districts haven't necessarily tapped into yet. So that's what I got. Well, my final thoughts are how about we not prioritize profit over children's safety when it comes to transportation to and from school. Yeah. If you want to profitize you know, your your basketball coach making more money because he's a six-time state champion. That that's on you. Whatever you know, congratulations. But when it comes to student safety, let's not uh, let's not look at profits over safety. Yep. I mean, that's it's it's pretty important. You know, we we all say and we've heard it, and people have said it time and time again that, and it sounds corny to some, but you know, the school buses have the most precious cargo there is to haul. Let's not start you know, throwing them in tin cans and hauling them around like they're, you know, old VCRs. Let's, yeah. let's do the right thing and let's take care of the kids and make sure they get to and from school safely because, you know, one of them on there might accidentally be super smart. I'm not claiming my kid is that kid, but next, if someone's Elon kid may be. There you go. Yeah. All right. Take us home, Chad. Wrap it up. Well, hey, great episode today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope yes, that uh, thank you. We hope this is very informative to everybody. And I know there's people out there that probably thought they knew that they might have learned something new today. And there's people out there like me that didn't really know a whole lot about this at all. And so we learned a lot today. Um, let's hope the DPS and the school bus board council, is that what it's called? Student Transportation Advisory Council. That's what I said. Let's hope that they do the right thing when they finally get put in place. I'm going to send an email out today to our governor to see if I can get put on that so I can push for the right <laughs> thing to be done. But thank you all so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of Hey Bus Driver. Bravo. And thank you to our special guest, Jason Nelson, thank and you. my co-host, Chelsea Wilson. I had a great thank time. You. Blood pressure got up a little bit, but I enjoyed it. And until next time, see y'all later. Later. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. And check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off.